This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We mentioned going out on our last episode how Adrian Clem, the Steelers' new offensive line coach, said that a lot of their new physical nature in 2020 is going to hinge on Matt Canada just putting them in good positions based on his offensive scheme and really eliminating communication and the thinking part of the game and just going back to that old-school, hard-nosed football. And the best way to do that is, without question, just really a strong committal to the run game. And I know that Matt Canada's offense has a lot of window dressing to it, a lot of motion, and a lot of play action. But I think what Clem is referring to that, when you really look past all that window dressing, at its core, what they hope it will be is kind of an old-school throwback offense where you're going to see the ball be heavily featured in their premier running back's hands for the majority of the game. You're going to see Najee Harris really dictate the flow of football games. And when you have a running back and the play calls are coming in, and although there might be seven different kinds of motion going on, but it's really just a a power, you know, between the tackle and guard spot on the right side or left side, it's a lot easier to play that offensive line position because uh, although you are kind of reading what the defense is doing and you're listening to what Ben Roethlisberger is saying in either the shotgun or under center with his cadence, you're really just gearing towards, I'm just going to blow this person in front of me, my matchup completely off the ball. So I get what Clem's saying about taking that thinking aspect out of it and just getting back to that old school throwback kind of style of football with a little bit of modern flair, of course, with Canada and all of his love of motion and other stuff when running the offense and that was going to be I, I said when we were off air that that I kind of had a question as you were ending the last episode about um you know how that 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 mean streak style I suppose is going to work in that Canada offense because for me you know in my head I, I know that there's more to it but you know when you look at Matt Canada's offense in a nutshell Tom I think you said it really well it's that there's a lot of window dressing to it and I don't want to say it's finesse because it, it's not but when you look at an at a you know I, I guess the the best way to you know the best example of that type of offense in the NFL is the Chiefs. You know what I mean? They use a lot of that, yeah. and it's not that they don't you know they're not physical or anything like that because obviously they are. But there's a lot of different moving parts going on. It's not finesse, but I guess I don't really have a better word to explain it. I guess the the question in my head was just you know how exactly you know, does that style of offense, that, that, that smash mouth, that nastiness that you want in your offensive line, does that change at all, you know, with, with that style of offense, you know, and obviously to answer my own question, I guess, I guess you did it, Tom, to, you know, it, it doesn't because it, you know, at the core of everything, it's still just a power, you know what I mean? At the core of everything, you still have your pulling guard. You still have hopefully, mm-hmm. a, you know, a center that can move, whatever. Um, it's still the same scheme, except there's just stuff in front of that that, you know, de- deceives, I guess, the defense. Again, I- I'm not saying that this this offense is going to turn into the Chiefs and you're going to see, you know, seven guys in motion and there's, you know, they're all going a different direction and things like that. We've talked about that so many times, but it's just interesting to see, as you said, Tom, it's kind of a hybrid. It's kind of those two styles, those two, you know, I guess, wants and, and needs in football they're kind of coming together to form one, I guess. We love to put the Chiefs on a pedestal. Not just us, but the entire country loves to put the Chiefs' offense, especially on this pedestal. And I look at the Steelers' offense, what what's gearing up for 2021, and 
the Chiefs have the big names. They have the quarterback. They have the tight end. They have the receiver. In terms of depth, though, depth, I'm not as convinced that it's all around a, a prolific offense. I think the quarterback really helps it, and I think the best example of that is Patrick Mahomes' performance in this past year's Super Bowl where this guy was running around. I think the the number that they calculated in terms of his scrambling for yardage was like 500-something. I, I want to say close to that at least. It was, a, it was a ridiculous number that he had to move around his pocket just to create a play, and we all remember the pass that he threw falling down. He was literally horizontal. He was he was parallel to the to the turf, and he somehow got the ball all the way to the end zone just for the ball to clink off the helmet of whichever receiver it was thrown to. But I look, I compare the Steelers' offense to the the Chiefs, and I I like the names on the Steelers' offense a lot more than the collective names that you see on the Chiefs. And so, Kellen, I get what you're trying to say about the different styles of the offense, but. Maybe when you bring in a guy like Canada who is more of a, I think, dynamic Chiefs offensive caller or coordinator, and you put him, you attach him, or you pair him with a, a tough-nosed quarterback like Ben and a, 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 a tough running back like Najee Harrison, I think you can find an even ground there. It's, it's going to take some time, but I think it could work. When you have a running back like Najee Harris, he can really bring the aggressiveness out of an offensive line because much like how we speculate maybe Ben checks out of a lot of stuff in the past season because he doesn't really trust his running backs in the backfield, maybe the offensive line doesn't really trust the running back. And I I know that you know it's different than Ben not really trusting the running back, but maybe subconsciously when you really just know that Everything has to be perfect. We have to be completely perfect. He needs, you know, we need to move an ocean like Moses did for him to be able to march through and gain significant yardage. It can take a lot out of you mentally, and that can kind of wear on you. But now all of a sudden you have this beast behind you, and now it's kind of like the onus is flipped a little bit, and you don't want to be the one looking in the mirror and getting blown off the ball and having this Ferrari stuck in the garage. You want to be able to right. take this thing out, and you want this thing to get into open spaces. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's just – and not to say that they thought that Connor was bad necessarily or even Snell to an extent last year, but now you got a guy coming in with pedigree, the talk uh, of the town a- and the nation. He was one of the higher-profile rookies. Uh, I think I saw his jersey was like a top-five selling jersey, that mm-hmm. uh, not just in rookie classes, though, for all – of the NFL after the draft happened. So this is a guy that is already on his path to stardom and you don't want to be a unit that is holding him back. You want to be right. able to get the most out of him. So maybe that can be a little bit of a motivating factor for them to really get more aggressive in their style and, and play more of that downhill style of, of offensive line. Right. And, you know, as Bob Labriola said, I mean, on uh, last week when we were, you know, you guys were at mini camp and I was back here at the studio, um, you know, you can see you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out like, hey, that guy's the one. And as you said, Tom, it can definitely be a, a motivating factor. Like, hey, we got this new piece to play with. And as long as the offensive line is decent, uh, Najee's going to have a, an explosive, a, a really, really good year. I think that's what a lot of people nationally are expecting. Um, and again, I just it's just interesting to me because of the fact that the offense sounds so finesse on paper. But in the, you know, when it comes down to the meat and potatoes of it, it's really that same style of smash mouth football. 
just with a different way of getting there. I guess it's a different way of getting there. And, and like you said, Tom, you know, when you have, you know, a thoroughbred type guy like, like Najee Harris that can come in and instantly make your running back room, not only your running back room, but your offense better. Uh, and again, it's just changing some window dressing and changing pre-snap. But when it really gets down to it, he's just like, you know what I mean? He's that guy that they needed to really put this over the top and like I said, it's not that I don't think it's not going to work or that the two styles don't match together. It's just interesting that that's where we are now. You know, to be a smash mouth football team, you still have to do all the other stuff. You still have to create deception. You still have to do all that. It's just interesting that that's where we are. And it's not just the Steelers. It's the entire NFL. Right. And that's that's where sure. the entire league is going at this point now. It's more, you know, on the grand scheme of things, it looks more finesse, but it's really not. No, it's definitely changing on a grand scale yeah. here. You're seeing a lot more college type, college style of plays or college playbook formations. And as we love to to talk about in high above the pre snap motion, the jet sweeps, all of it. The, the more dynamic your players are before the snap, the more excited you are. And the, and the league, I think, knows that too. The league, I think, is maybe even encouraging it because. The NFL does a better job than any league of, of advertising their brand and advertising their sport. And so I think the league is, is kind of even pushing maybe for more of a dynamic college style of play here. I do think, however, that there's a lot of air of ambiguity here for this season just because with the new running back, the the questionable names or, or the questioning of names on the offensive line, who will actually be there who will be the starters as we as we discussed at length in our last episode and the arrival or I guess the promotion of Matt Canada. It, it's a bunch of changing pieces here on this offense all happening at one time. And it doesn't help that, again, we're, we're kind of here in this season one removed of COVID-19 and, and the pandemic that kind of threw the season, the 2020 season for a loop it's frustrating that we can't really see as we talked about last episode as well, that we can't really see the offense as a whole, as a unit working together in real scenarios for another month and a half, six weeks now, but that's the reality we live in. Well, the charge of physicality doesn't just fall on the offensive line. The Steelers obviously also felt that a position that traditionally is utilized in the run uh, game tight end, as far as blocking is concerned, they definitely needed an upgrade as far as the blocking aspect with that position goes Eric Ebron I mean you just kind of have to be honest with him he's just a very big wide receiver is what it really boils yeah. down to who ends up lining up in the tight end position more often than not but and he's certainly very effective and can be a game breaker and a mismatch nightmare when he's playing well and catching passes right. uh, and has a lot of value for this team in 2021 but when you have a mandate from the owner to get more into the running game, you need your tight end to be able to block. And Eric Ebron has very little interest in doing so. That's why you go out and you use a second round pick on the second best tight end in this draft class in Pat Fryermuth out of Penn state. And although he was a playmaker at Penn state and was utilized in the passing game, he was also a real tight end. And what I mean by that is he liked to line up, run block, pass block if he had to, physical kind of guy. Physical was his nature when he was out in the passing game as well and, and receiving the football. It's a good pick, a pick that I like more and more. You see good things out of him in his early start 
as a Pittsburgh Steeler with just his rookie minicamp OTAs and now the veteran minicamp that he just went through. But he's going to be a significant role player on this offense this year. And I think most of that role is going to come in the form of being an effective pass blocker and adding to that physical nature on that offensive line. Right. And it just gives that offense something else um, to use. I mean, and as you said, it's not just on the offensive line. It, 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 the onus falls on, I mean, by default, Fryermuth because Ebron just doesn't block. But at all. I, I mean, at all. And I mean, I know he can, I know he tries i guess and but he just doesn't look like he wants to do it um but yeah i don't it's it's very interesting and and i i think that you know you go back to the draft that's one of the reasons the steelers did what they did and they took firemuth and they shocked some people um i mean they definitely surprised me is the fact that yeah i, I mean we don't really have anybody that can block uh, tight end wise yeah sure you have raider and and um that now oh, who's the kid from michigan i was gentry. gentry i always forget gentry's name for whatever reason so he's irrelevant yeah i guess for whatever reason we haven't seen him play basically ever in his entire time because he's irrelevant the team. Yeah, yeah he just got lapped by the number second round pick right by the Pittsburgh Steelers. um but yeah i mean that's the point like you, you think about it and that's the reason they did what they did and they need to get to this smash mouth style of football that they want to get back to and that's all well and good um you know and and Fryermuth, like i've said a couple times you know don't you know, make him the second coming of Heath Miller just yet, that he's some, you know, a fantastic pass blocker. He's going to be right away the best pass blocking tight end in the league or anything like that. I think that's a lot to put on him. And, and again, the baby Gronk um, thing that he had in college isn't exactly, um, you know, the easiest thing to live up to if, if, if uh, you're Fryermuth. But at the same time, he has a willingness to do it. He has a willingness and a, a pedigree of doing it. It might not be to an NFL level, but at least, I mean, at the very least, it's better than what they had. It's better than Eric Ebron. And pairing him, you know, into that offense, I think, as you said, Tom, initially he's probably not going to put up fantastic numbers, and it'll probably be him in there blocking more often than not. But as the season wears on, I think they're going to, you know, the Steelers are going to, you know, see and, and realize, like, hey, this guy, he's pretty darn good. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, I, I heard a lot of people talking about will he be, you know, Euler and Motes were talking about it, like, Will he be tight end number one by the end of the year? And and I was a little bit surprised because I, I don't know if he will or not. But even Arthur Motes said, yeah, I think by like week six, week seven, like the Steelers are just going to realize that he's a better tight end, a better all around tight end. Ebron might have the better, you know, intangibles, I guess the jump off the page type stuff now with his athletic ability. But, um, you know, when you look at him, I think I was a little surprised when, when Motes said that, but um I just think that it, it's a great situation for Frymuth to be in because he doesn't have to be the guy right away. And if he shows that he's a blocker, well, that makes it a hell of a lot easier on him. Definitely. And I think what you have to recognize, what people have to recognize too here, is the Steelers had an issue last season. It was the offensive line. It was the run game. And a tight end isn't necessarily going to help that. But they still used the second-round pick on a guy on this guy, Pat Fryermuth. There was a reason that there was a glaring issue with the offensive line, and they still decided to go with him in the second round. They felt like he was an unmissable target, an unmissable asset to the team, and they felt that he could be a better help to the team than any offensive lineman who was still available at that time in the second round. They felt that even though they had a much more glaring hole with lack of depth in the offensive line, regardless of position, uh, especially at the center, which they hadn't addressed yet until the next round when they selected Kendra Green, they still felt like Pat Firemuth was the best option to help them 
in the present. And I think I could not agree more with Arthur Motes' statement that I, I, I completely agree that Pat Fryermuth will be the starter come at any I, – I, I, I would hope it's sooner rather than later just because I think all around I think he's going to be a better target, and I think he could be a little more physical than Eric Ebron. I don't know when that time will come, but I, I would hope that by, by the end of this season that Pat Fryermuth has started a couple of games. Well, I think it puts a lot of pressure on Eric Ebron to not have the drops again this year. Absolutely. And, you know, that can be a good thing for the Steelers. There's a little bit of motivation now for him to not just completely rest on his laurels because although Vance McDonald was okay, he really wasn't ever threatening to take Ebron's job, especially with what Ebron Ebron brought to the passing game that the Steelers employed in 2020. We've been saying for the past couple episodes for the entire offseason, the Steelers are going to be a run-first offense, hopefully, in 2021. So you need to switch more to that all-around kind of tight end, and you need a little bit more of that physicality uh, throughout the entire offensive DNA, not just on the line, not just in the tight end core, but also in the receiving room. You know, Steelers receivers coach Ike Hilliard spoke about that and said that, you know, they have a lot of size that they need to utilize, especially with guys like Juju and Chase Claypool. And, you know, they can really, you know, with the running game, they can be a big component blocking receivers, blocking safeties, mm-hmm. um, blocking corners, sealing off edges, right. uh, helping their running back continue to be able to go outside and bounce things. And, and it's not just the call to the line to the tight ends. The receivers are also feeling that they need to be a little bit more physical. And I like how he brought up Chase Claypool and Juju because, you know, those are two pretty physically imposing guys. We all know how much Juju loves to pass block or to run block, mm-hmm. excuse me. And uh, again, Chase Claypool, prototypical size for a number one wide receiver. He's six foot four, but he's got girth to him as well. And if he can get a little physical nature into his game, not just with the blocking style that he's talking about here, but if they can kind of get a little bit physical in the way that they run routes and how they go up with combat catches with corners, I mean, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt nine times out of ten as far as a ref making a call for pass interference since you're the offensive player. So I would love to see them not only be more physical, like they're saying, in helping the running game out with their pass with their run blocking on the outside, but in the passing game, bringing more of a physical element too. Yeah. And making safeties and corners really think twice before they have to tackle you. I think guys like Juju and uh, Chase certainly have the the physical abilities and the bodies to make that happen. And I think that's something that we didn't see a lot, you know, down the stretch of the year when things were kind of going bad for the Steelers. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that works out when everything goes bad. Everything goes bad. Um, you know, you didn't see a lot of combat catches. You didn't see a lot of physicality. And granted, to the, you know, the point of Claypool, he wasn't out there much down the stretch of the year because they limited his snap count for whatever reason. Um, but, you you know, Juju, as we've seen, you know, as much as, you know, I might not personally like the things he does off the field, he is a tough son of a gun on the field. He yeah. really is. Um, he get, he puts his shoulder down, he gets the hard yard. He is a, a tough player. So that type of, you know, that style of play really does suit him. And, and I think, I don't th- I don't just think it's going to go on the offensive line and the people that play the mm-hmm. offensive line and put their hand in the dirt. I really think the physicality thing is going to be something that, we see throughout the entire team. Normally physicality is something that you hear about on a defense, but I think it's very important this year for the offense to be physical. And, you know, I don't know if this net really means anything. This thought just popped into my head when we were talking about the physicality thing. And especially with the wide receivers, Juju 
has the ability to do. We've already seen Juju sure. do it. Claypool has the build, at least at the at the very least, to make combat type catches. That sort of phys- physicality. We've seen James Washington do it. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. Is that Washington has been fantastic at that? The combat catches. You think back right. to the touchdown he had against the Giants, where he leaped at like the seven yard line. He mm-hmm. somehow got into the end zone. I, I still don't know how he did that. But the one guy that I think doesn't has have that physicality, and it's just basically because of his size, yeah. is Deontay Johnson. Not to say that leaves him on the outside or looking in or anything like that. He's still going to get his. But that thought just crossed my head, you know, talking about physicality. He's the one guy, the one glaring guy that I guess doesn't have that. But at the same time, when you run a, you know, what, a four four forty, I guess you don't really have to be all that physical. Yeah, when you have his quickness, his ability to pivot at any point. I mean, he's got some of the best uh, feet. In the league, I mean, his ability to break away and separate from defenders is, you know, bar none, I think. So I understand the point you're trying to make there, Callum, but it's still not anything against Deontay Johnson. It's just if you want to be a physical team, whatever physical formation, if you, if you wanted to be, you know, stacking the box and just kind of pile driving to get a yard or two, you don't be an idiot. Just don't put Deontay Johnson on the field for that play. But I think it's a nice point because maybe this does move Deontay Johnson maybe down in the depth chart a little bit. Mm. Maybe this is a chance for James Washington to pass him. Certainly he could get passed if he continues with the drops. He also was plagued with along with Eric Ebron. Sure. I'd say those two are the biggest culprits of that. And yeah, no doubt. Hilliard addressed that as well. You know, he said, yeah, as physicality is one of the primary focuses for every group on this offense, including our wide receiver room. You know, drop the drop passes that really plagued us in 2020 is something that clearly needs to be addressed. You know, we recognize that they're obviously part of the game, but they had way too many last year, and they're working every single day to make sure that they're cognizant on not putting the ball on the ground as much as they did in that receiving room. And for a guy like Deontay Johnson, Kellen, where how this charge for being more physical on all aspects of the offensive side of the ball, you know, and you're kind of the short end of the stick there, Literally, no pun intended, yeah. but <laughs> you have to really make a name for yourself elsewhere right. in that skill position kind of mold, and you can't do anything if you're going to drop the football. Exactly, I mean, yeah. that's that's the first thing they teach you. That's right. the first step. It's to becoming a playmaker. Is you, you can't make any of the plays if you don't have the ball with you. So, right for him, and then even kind of wrapping it back up with the Eric Ebron and him competing or trying to hold off Pratt Firemuth. I mean, there's even less room for error as far as the drops are concerned this right. year. No doubt. I mean, that was going to be what I, what I was going to say when you mentioned that the, the physicality of the wide receivers that Hill, Hilliard talked about, how that's a priority. Priority number one is just catching the ball. I don't care if you catch it and fall down. Just catch it. Uh, that should be priority right. number one for the wide receivers. You're the one uh, you're the one uh, position group on the field where it's literally your job to catch it and you could literally do nothing else and nobody's going to be mad at you. If you catch the football, no one, you know what I mean? No one's going to freak out on you. Um, but yeah, to your point, Tom, talking about Deontay, you know, it doesn't mean that he's the odd guy out, but it, it will if the drops continue. It will if, you know, Absolutely. if he doesn't bring the physicality, which unfortunately it's not his fault. That's, you know, he doesn't really bring that because of the fact that, you know, he's smaller and he doesn't have that type of stature in there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously you can definitely still be that explosive guy, but if you don't catch the ball, if you don't, you know, do what you're supposed to do and, and, and just catch it and then make the play, he will be on the outside looking and it is, an, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it's going to happen right now or week two, week three, he drops two passes up. Oh, well, we're going to put him on the bench or something like that. That's not my point. But if they continue at the same rate that they did last year, 
it could, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to trade him or he's going to leave or anything like that, but it's a slippery slope that you walk when you're a wide receiver and you have 16 drops in a 16-game season. Mm. It, it, it's definitely room or a cause for concern, especially if they, you see the Steelers move toward more so that more so to that ground and pound type offense, that physical offense we've, we were just describing, and he continues to struggle with the drops. Those two factors are going to be the biggest factors in terms of his involvement in that offense in 2021. But it should be also clear that, you know, just because you want to be physical in your DNA in all aspects of offense, there's always room for a player like Deontay Johnson as long as he can get those drops under control. And in a lot of ways, he could be the X factor when it comes to this offense and this passing game because I see a lot of what he can do after the catch. He's so shifty, making guys miss. And with Ben Roethlisberger, I know that we're hoping he gets under center more and holds on to the ball a little bit more so that routes can develop downfield. But there's still going to be times where you want to get rid of that ball as fast as he was back in 2020 to avoid sacks, to avoid pressures. Right. And I think just Deontay Johnson, if he can reach his potential and if he can get the drops away from his system and out of his system, he's a perfect guy for that kind of offense, that quick hitters, those picking up a blitz. He's in the slot. I'm just going to get rid of the ball right away. Two yards down the field, but he can make it into a 15 yard gain and, you know, that's something that, especially in today's modern NFL, is so valued as far mm -hmm. as an offensive weapon is concerned, is a, a guy that doesn't necessarily need to catch the ball 15, 20 yards down the field for it to be a big play. He just needs right. to get the ball in his hands. Uh, that's the big problem, though, is getting the ball in your hands. And that's why I, I think it's such a big year for him where if he does have another year with drops, that becomes a little bit of a trend. Now he's starting to look in the mirror if his career in the NFL is hanging on by a thread or he could just go off a complete launching pad this year and right. just become a, a focal point of this Steelers offense mm -hmm. and a more household name as far as an offensive player is concerned in the NFL. Right. And that's because he's going to be a fantasy monster if he's good. I mean, right. I had a buddy last year that um, isn't a Steeler fan that was Deontay Johnson in our last year. And he's like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, I don't know what he to had tell that you. One game against right. the Titans where he yeah. went bananas. Yeah. And that I mean, I don't know what's, you know, it's, that was the thing. That was the theme around Pittsburgh really is we don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the drops thing will figure themselves out. And hopefully last year was just an aberration. It was just a, a blip on the radar. And if that is the case, then, you know, uh, everything would get back on track for Deontay and really for the offense in general. I know that um, that the, the idea is for them to be more physical, but I think for him it's way more important mm -hmm. that, you know, priority number one is catching the ball. And then afterwards, as you said, Tom, you can be that explosive playmaker that you ha that you are. But, again, it all comes back to catching the ball. If you don't catch the ball, you, you can't do any of those things. And going back to a point that we talked about last episode about the offensive line, something we couldn't say about the offensive line that we can say about the wide receivers is it's there's a lot of pieces there. There, It's a good problem to have is there's four guys in your depth chart on your wide receiver roster that Ben would love to throw the ball to. For, each, for, for different reasons, of course, but – the fact that if, if Deontay Johnson does struggle to catch or hold on to the ball next year, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a game breaker. It's not going to derail the season, I think, and and not that it derailed the season last year, but it definitely didn't help things when the Steelers were struggling to put wins together at the end of the year. I think now with more assets, Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris specifically, alongside the other three receivers. If he does continue to struggle, it won't be as big of a detriment as it was last year. 
on our next episode of Steelers Standard, we are going to take a look at some teams in the AFC, and we're going to play a little game relating to the AFC conference. We'll work our way from top to bottom there. Make sure you tune into that. should be a lot of fun and informative. A lot of speculation as well based on where we think these teams will finish in the 2021 season. We'll do it for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. It won't just be all other teams in the AFC. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Check out all of our work at Steelers.com. Just look for the Steelers standard under the podcast page. And for Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I am Tom Offerman. We'll talk to you on our next episode.